Welcome to another episode of Appalachian Shine. This is the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. This is J.C. Swangruber, your host. And thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to this episode. Uh, we're getting up there in episodes. Uh, I've got Adam Mason on the line today. Adam, we're 30-some episodes into Appalachian Shine. How have you been, bud? Doing good, dude. I'm congratulating you on having so many uh, podcasts. That is excellent. Yeah, it's been a fun show. Doing a podcast is like having your own little short radio show. Talk about whatever you want. Um, you know, and this obviously with this one, we talk any and all things Appalachia, and sometimes we have guests, and sometimes we don't. But you know, we're thrilled with the history and the culture and the just the magic of the place. And it's uh, it's an, actually an honor and a lot of fun to do this. Um, I was going to mention to you, Adam, uh, what, and I wanted to kind of uh, say a thank you here again on this particular podcast to the um, Tulsa Community Fund um, through, I guess, Williams Companies uh, Funds. They actually uh, do uh, contributions to nonprofits around the country. And at the end of last year, 2020, as hectic, you know how hectic this year's last year has been, a lot of nonprofits are really struggling. And we had not put in for a grant and uh, – out of the blue, we get a letter and a donation um, from them to uh, use for general expenses. And that was really good right. because, you know, we pay a lot of things out of pocket. And you, you've been a board member in the past, and you know how it goes. And um, it was really a blessing to get that. So we keep the podcast going and do some other things this year. I agree with you. That is excellent news. Yeah. I mean, especially when you didn't even ask for it, and there it shows up. I mean, it was like the last week of the year, and I was like, oh, you know, thank you, God, you know, um, and, and it really helps. So thanks to them uh, for considering us and sending us a donation. We got a $2,500 donation from them, and that actually helps keep some of our expenses, you know, our things things going, and, uh, you know, they didn't have any kind of stipulation other than general expenses, and wow, that's that's really helpful. Uh, sometimes when you get grants, you have certain, only certain things you can spend it on, and, uh, and a lot of times that doesn't include general expenses. But uh, that was very appreciative, uh, appreciated uh, from them. So thanks to uh, uh, Williams Companies Fund and uh, Tulsa Community Fund. That was great. We really appreciate it. So, Adam, we're going to talk. Anytime we have you on, we know we're going to be talking uh, some some weird things. And, you know, we have these, you know, millennia old mountains here. And with, when you have these old mountain chains, you're going to have tall tales. You're going to have legends. Uh, tell us a little bit about your website again that you have. Uh, Kentucky Mysteries is a place where everyone can go to read about what is going on in Kentucky in the fields of paranormal, cryptids, uh, ghost mysteries, any UFO sightings or anything of that nature. Everyone is welcome to submit them, and we'll be happy to post them without your name. If you want to be anonymous, that's just fine. Uh, we've got a pretty good show and uh, got a pretty good crowd keeps coming back to the website. Yeah, I'm glad you get a lot of hits. What's the website address? KYMysteries.com um, Now, do you focus only on like the uh, mysteries in the Appalachian area, the eastern Kentucky, or is this all the state? The whole state. Okay. But out this part of the our neck of the woods is no shortage of, of crazy mysteries and sightings and things like that. Um, now, to refresh my memory, we, there was... There was a paranormal group that recently came down to Eastern Kentucky, maybe about a year ago, and they did some recordings 
and some actually some video you can find on YouTube. Um, do you remember what I'm talking about? They came down near Pikeville. Oh yes, I remember. Uh, I remember that now. Uh, what was their name? Just a moment. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was because I know they were in. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the town that they they went to. The video part was named after the town. Um, but nonetheless, it was kind of. It's almost in relation to remember the old Mothman mystery that took place in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. True, it was. And uh, they had some people that had made some anonymous phone calls to them that prompted them to leave from Cincinnati all the way down to Eastern Kentucky to do some uh, investigation of their own. Was it Shadow Walkers? No, I don't think it was Shadow Walkers. Um, but any, I, I can't remember the name of it. It was a town outside of. Outside of Pikeville, because I remember they stayed in Pikeville and they were talking about that on one of the videos. Um, but uh, anyway, I digress. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, at some point I'll remember and I'll post it up for people that may be interested. <clears throat> I'll give you a little heads up, though. Uh, some of the video that they have in there, they use some some salty language. It's on YouTube, so it's not a, like you're watching on History Channel and it's filtered. But uh, um, but it was interesting nonetheless for people that are interested in those those types of programs like the Bigfoot Hunters and you know the Mountain Mountain Monsters type shows that you find on uh, Travel Channel and History Channel because there's a plethora of them out there and we could do one just probably one just focused on Appalachia, Central Appalachia for that matter. It'd be there's there's so many tall tales and legends. Um, Adam, I wanted to kick one off because uh, I recently stumbled upon one uh, related to the Appalachian Trail and you know there's all kinds of legends and mysteries along the AT and I'm sure there's been no shortage of campfires and hikers and campers out there telling these stories to each other but this one was called the scorched man um it was was kind of the headline for it uh and it looks like it started this legend started back in 2011 as far as an urban legend here in this part of the country uh started in 2011 when a, when there was a man who was on this week long hike on the Appalachian Trail and on his first night that he was camp in the trail uh he stopped to build camp started a fire set up his you know sleeping bag around it and uh because he went i don't think he was sleeping under a tent it didn't say anything about that but he was sleeping outside under the stars had a fire and uh, when he was getting ready to set up his sleeping bag he turned around and was just scared out of his wits because there was a man standing right next to his fire uh the body adam it it was completely burnt and still smoldering, according to the hiker. You can imagine how scary that would have been. Yeah. Um, so the legend had it, and Adam, I don't know if you've heard of this one, but the hiker, he just packed up his gear, ran back to his car, scared out of his mind. Uh, and so he lost his way um, as, uh, uh, and then when he got out of the woods, he was on this strange road. And uh, it was, you know, meandering along the trail. And on the edge of the road, um, you know, as he was going traveling down that road, he saw this house that had recently burnt down. And the fire chief was still standing outside. And I guess it was getting close to dark at that time. The fire chief was standing outside. He was taking notes on a clipboard. So he just confesses, Adam, what he just saw to see if anybody, you know, did they want to call a medic or something. He, so after he told the fire chief what he saw, um, the fire chief just looked at him and said, you know, that's impossible. Uh, the entire family that lived in the house had all burned to death. 
Now that story has popped up now and again, rarely. Um, I tried to do some digging at him to see where this was at, and I never really did pinpoint a location, which again is why it's an urban legend. But can you imagine just some of the, the tall tales that have been told on that trail and like turning over in the middle of the night and seeing a smoldering burn victim right next to your fire? Yeah, just that would be scary as all get out. Have you ever had any kind of experiences when you're hiking and camping out in the woods? I know you've been out plenty. Oh, yeah, I've had uh, several before. <laughs> what, uh, yeah, tell, tell us one. Okay, um, I was actually, uh, it's been many years ago in my younger days, but we were out camping, and we we had walked about two hours in the hills. We was way away from anything. There was nothing around anywhere. Well, it was about, I don't know, it was just starting to get dark. It was late in the evening. And we heard some noise, could not figure out where it was coming from, and we looked across the valley, and on the other, the hill on the other side of the valley, there was something dark moving around. Well, we couldn't figure out what was going on, because it was making noise, whereas the leaves were so dry, you know. Yeah. So, uh, one of them got binoculars, handed them to me, and I started looking, and there was a black panther was actually on the other hill across the valley walking around. A fully grown black panther cat. Wow, they say they don't exist here. Yeah. And after that, I've done some research and found out that about 10 years or so before that, a circus plane had crashed about 15, 20 miles away from there in the hills, and all of its animals had got loose. So there was actually a black panther still walking around from that crash. Yeah, they they say that those, you know, um, those, those can't exist here. And then mountain lions, you know, they say don't exist here. I mean, maybe rarely. But uh, I live in Richlands, and there's a hospital. I live in a little area called Lake Park. And just right next to me is a hospital, uh, right next to our neighborhood. And uh, someone had set up a trail camera back there uh, on one of the trees because it's you know, heavily wooded back here, too. And this was maybe three or four years ago. That and I guess it was set motion detector to go off when something come by. And uh, sure enough, somebody on Facebook had shared these photos of a mountain lion right here in uh, Tazewell County. Now, I don't know how you know. Again, can I verify that's true? No, I can just show. I can just see where people had someone had shared the photos online, and there they were. So can I say those were right here? No, but the person made the claim they were. Um, but, uh, yeah, that just certainly shows that there's all kinds of things in the mountains that we may have not even discovered yet living right here sure. among us. Yeah, there's so much of the area. I mean, where the coal mines are just about gone, a lot of the animals are starting to come back. So we actually don't know what's in the hills anymore. There's not that many people in the hills anymore. Right. And yeah, you're right. There's not. And, uh. You know, if there's an animal that doesn't, a clever animal that doesn't want to be found, it's not going to be found. True. Um, you know, you're going to have to pull teeth to find it. Uh, you've heard of the Swift Silvermine legend, right? Yes. Well, there was another one, uh, Adam, that um, <coughs> called the Bill Treasure. And that was just, oh, yes. yeah, you've heard of this. This is up around Bedford? Yep. Uh, so sometime around the 1820s, a man by the name of, Thomas Jefferson Beale, pretty cool name, 
uh, he uncovered what he said was his mother load of mining for gold in Colorado. So the bounty of gold and silver was said to be worth millions and millions. And who knows how much today? Tons. Um, so Bill, with his treasure in tow, I guess he uh, made the journey back east to cash in. And on his way back, he stops in Bedford, Virginia, uh, where it's believed uh, you know, he thought he was going to be in danger. He thought some, some bad hombres were following him. And they probably were, anybody, if you know, in that era, you know, if you had something of worth and anybody knew it, you probably were in danger. True. So, um, Beal, and, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, uh, Beal uh, supposedly buried the treasure and then created a series of ciphers as a way of being able to recover the treasure once he felt the danger had passed. So he uh, locks, in, locks the ciphers in a box and left them with a friend. But he never went back to retrieve those ciphers. And it's believed that his treasure is still buried somewhere in Bedford County. And there are treasure hunters that are out there just as excited about that as they have been the uh, Swift Silver Mine legend of Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, that, uh, that Bill Treasure, that one has got a lot of people interested, especially since there's actual physical evidence like here's the ciphers you figure it out you get the money you know, yeah. that uh, that will make a lot of people interested Not, i'm interested <laughs> um was there uh, maybe within the last couple of years maybe I, I remember seeing something on either the history or travel channel about you know one of these mysteries that remains unsolved that actually they were in bedford flying over looking for locations where it could have been um but that, that's pretty fascinating, nonetheless. Wow, I didn't know that one. That does sound interesting. Yeah. Now, you had a, a, another legend there in Kentucky you wanted to talk about? Yes, I, I was going to talk about the Red River Gorge. But if you don't mind, I've got one more that sort of hits a little bit closer to home. Yeah. Okay. Um. If you ever want to tell someone that you went to hell, we actually have a town here not far from where I live called Hellier, Kentucky. That's where the those people went to uh, investigate. Now that you say that, I remember that from Pike that went to Pikeville. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's called yeah. Hellier. If you look that up on YouTube, you'll find the whole series. Okay, I'll check <sighs> on to that one. Um, there was a doctor contacted me and said that on his property, there was an abandoned deep mines, and it had uncovered. He didn't know if it was a storm or some uh, little earthquakes we get around here, which aren't much in the way of earthquakes. But anyway, once it uncovered, he started seeing, he calls them goblin-like small creatures on his property, and they come out at night. So we went over that area. We didn't get to talk to the doctor. There was no one home then. But we noticed when we was driving around and through that just about every person there had a fence around their property. And most of them had an additional electric fence with the regular fence. Oh, no, that's kind of odd. Why would they, with so much wide open property, why would they bother? True. And no farm animals inside the fences. There was no cows, no horses, okay. chickens, nothing. Just their houses. Okay, so they had nothing to nothing really to protect. It's just 
looks right. looks like a case of paranoia, I guess. Right. They're. I think they were had them up just to protect their self. Because you know, a lot of these towns will keep their secrets. They won't let nobody know what's going on because they don't trust outsiders. You know. So, I'm thinking that they actually are something there that the people just don't talk about it. But it was really shocking to see how many electric fences were in that area at people's houses. So did any photographs or anything kind of uh, surface or the doctor provide anything else to explain this weird behavior? Well, we were going to meet up to get them, but we never could meet up. Uh, he couldn't get away from the hospital. So um, we were going to look at all the footprints around his property, and we're going to try to go back one day soon after winter's over. Okay. But I really believe there's something in that area that the people aren't talking about because why would a house need an electric fence when they don't have any animals? Well, that's true. Um, yeah, you're afraid of something. And no dog. We saw one. Uh, we saw two dogs the entire trip. That's it. And you know, I mean, bear don't wander that close to houses. I mean, unless there's a drought or something. So. And usually, I mean, I have bears walk through my yard. They don't bother nothing. They don't bother the cats or anything. I mean, they just walk through the yard and keep on walking. You know, it don't. You know, it's not bears they're afraid of. It's something else. Well, that's a good transition uh, to another legend. This one's kind of a relatively new legend. Um, you're familiar with Bristol, Virginia, and Tennessee, right? Yes, huh? All right. Well, every state needs to have a Bigfoot story, right? So now we have the Beast of Gum Hill. And this was uh, around uh, the mid-1960s, I guess. Uh, a Bristol, Virginia man, he was out hunting and came across some really odd, large tracks uh, in the mud as he was hunting. So he followed the tracks. You know, probably got a little too kick. If it were me, I would, I would turn the other way. <laughs> but this guy was apparently really curious. Follow the tracks to a clearing where they just vanished. I mean, just, you know, I mean, there was plenty of mud. It walked somewhere, but it stopped right in the middle of the, this clearing and almost like it just disappeared in thin air. So uh, he looked around and uh, he, he kind of had this weird feeling he was being watched. So he looks around the clearing and spotted something moving over in this thick brushed area. And through the undergrowth, I mean, I guess it's a heavily green undergrowth. Uh, this is something I would have missed because I'm red-green colorblind. Uh, but he noticed two red eyes looking at him through this green undergrowth. And it wasn't just, it wasn't low to the ground. He said it was several feet in the air where he spotted the eyes. So through the leaves, he could see the faint outline of this huge, hairy, muscular animal, he said, that was standing upright and staring right at him. So this beast apparently grunts you know, kind of angry growl, and uh, I guess it was ready to charge, according to the man who uh, was out hunting, and uh, so he raised his rifle and he fired. Of course, the shot misses, the creature runs. Uh, the guy comes back, he said, several days later, but couldn't find the animal or any of the tracks. So over the next few decades, other people around the area have reported strange tracks and encounters with this so-called beast. But no proof has been taken. And I guess uh, this legend at this point has been called the Beast of Gum Hill. G-U-M, as in like you chew gum. Um, 
but that, uh, that that's an interesting, you know, every place has to have its Bigfoot story. And I know over in Norton, they have the uh, statue now, what they call the wood booger, uh, that stands up, you know, it's kind of a popular thing. And we've actually had the, uh, um, was it the BFRO that show where they actually tracked Bigfoot that got so popular? Yeah. They came out to, uh, uh, Norton and Wise County and did an investigation too. And that was a television show a while back. Yeah, I remember that one. That was a very good show. It's amazing how wildly popular that show was. Everybody loves a good mystery. I mean, Everybody loves a good Bigfoot story, too, apparently. Yeah, they really do. Now, you had something about the Red River Gorge. Did you want to still talk about that? Well, there's a lot of stuff that has been reported over the years from the Red River Gorge. From people having... You can rent cabins there. Yeah. And some, some there's apparently one or two cabins that are a little bit hard to rent out because they're supposedly haunted. People won't stay there over a night or not even the whole night. Um, and one of the cabins, not far from it, people reporting seeing what they call a Wendigo or a, a skinwalker. Ooh, yeah. Okay. But there have actually been several reports, and it's on the same area of the same one cabin. Now, that's creepy, yeah. Yeah, that is pretty creepy. Now, for people who may not know, um, these urban legends are very fun, but when you get to talking about something like a Wendigo, and people may be going, like, what the heck is a Wendigo? Well, that's actually a Native American uh, legend of skinwalkers, but they're more demonic. Right, and uh, some can be like cannibalistic, and they can actually, is it shape shift for one? But the Wendigo has the ability to possess somebody. It's it's the demon that possesses somebody that term makes them a Wendigo. Is that correct? Is in, in the legend? If I remember right, yes. Okay, because um, there's so many legends around the Wendigos, and those score those stories are actually really really creepy and make for really good horror films. Um, they really do. Yeah, because I've seen. A few episodes on that, and you probably see that more affiliated uh, with the uh, Native American legends out west uh, in places like Utah, where the Skinwalker Ranch is, for example. Uh, that's a mysterious location. Um, I was going to ask those uh, Wendigo. Is that? Are, is there much in Native American uh, lore about the Wendigo here in the east and, and central Appalachia, or, or is it mostly out west? Mostly out west. That is the only reported incident I've ever read or heard of in this area. Uh, well, if anybody would know, you would know. <laughs> so you've got so many interesting things on your website. Uh, you you cover a little bit of everything, and uh, that's a pretty impressive website. Hey, I've got one more, uh, Adam. Um, this, this is a legend called Lover's Leap. It's an old urban legend. Um, it takes place in, uh, it's, it's surrounding in uh, Scott County, which is not far from Wise, Virginia and Norton. How, how about how far you've been you used to live in that area? Uh, Scott County, I'd yeah. say maybe less than 40 minutes at the most. Okay. Now, where are you, where are you located now? I'm in Kentucky. Okay. Now, which part of Eastern Kentucky are you in? Uh, Letcher County. Letcher County. Okay. So just so people kind of know. Roughly that are from here, what what distance we're talking about from where we're at? Um, Scott County would probably. Uh, I'm over in Richlands, Tazewell County, so we're probably talking a good hour and twenty minutes to get over there. That's 
Scott County is where um, Gate City is. Is that correct? Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, so before the Europeans settled in the area um, that's now called Scott County, there was a story, um, and this kind of transitions into the natives, uh, of a Shawnee brave and a Cherokee girl who met while they were walking through the woods uh, that bordered you know, their two people's lands. And although there was no war between the tribes, they weren't necessarily on the friendliest of terms. Um, so the, the first meeting was kind of brief and you know, the young girl, young guy locked eyes, Romeo and Juliet, and almost fell in love, you know. Uh, so, so it was pretty immediate attraction, according to legend. For the next several months, they met at the same spot in secret. And this was, um, uh, and they say it was a tall cliff at the top of a tall cliff, hidden away from both tribes. So during one of their encounters, they were spotted by a Cherokee brave who ran back and told the girl's parents. So the young girl was forbidden from seeing the boy ever again. Days and weeks passed, and the Shawnee brave, he continued to go back to the their special spot in hopes that she would be there. But she was, I guess, ban- you know, uh, was not allowed to go there from her by her parents and her tribe. Um, but when they saw each other, uh, they, uh, uh, she immediately told him that they could never see each other again. So not wanting to end the love affair, the two held hands at the edge of the cliff kissed one last time, and just in Romeo and Juliet fashion, according to legend, they stepped into the abyss below. Right? And it's said that on occasion, uh, the two lovers will still meet atop that cliff. And some people who have been hiking at, uh, have seen, uh, they said that they've seen them standing on the edge of the cliff, uh, kissing before they left off. So several people have said they've seen this. And... Uh, that is a interesting legend. I, not anything necessarily scary. We're not talking, you know, St. Albans Sanatorium in Bradford scary, but nonetheless, it's really a um, interesting urban legend of young young love, you know, and between the two native tribes. That is. Uh, if you've got time, I've got one <clears throat> more quick urban. Le- this actual urban legend. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, Prospect, Kentucky. Okay. There is actually is an urban legend by people there. They have a road actually named Sleepy Hollow Road. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, some of the people have reported that when they are driving home from work at night or just driving at night, there will actually be a hearse, one of the old-timey type hearses from the 30s and 40s, They'll actually see it driving on the road, and then it would just disappear. Huh. On Sleepy Hollow Road. On Sleepy Hollow Road. Someone actually named their street, their road, Sleepy Hollow Road. (laughs) No, I wonder why the hearse is driving that particular road. That's a good question. They don't, uh, they, nobody's ever said, they don't know exactly why it is. I mean, some did report they tried to force him over, over, off the road, you know, over an embankment. But most of them just reports that they see it and it'll just drive along and just disappear. Wow. Okay. I, I wonder if there's any kind of a, a story we don't know about that particular road that maybe some sort of tragedy befell. And I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out. Now, where's Prospect, Kentucky at? Just one second. Let me. I know it is out near Central Kentucky. 
because there's so many places along between here. When I when I'm in Eastern Kentucky and I, I try to get there, drive through there fairly often. I, I cross through uh, Mountain Parkway. Was the Prospect is north of Frankfurt, above Georgetown. Okay, okay, I know where that's at. Yeah, um, actually, we have uh, uh, me and uh, Gary Stratton, who's also a board member of the foundation. We we share an office there in Frankfurt, um, a business office over there for uh, uh, our investment advisor company. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go there and check it out next time I'm in the area. Um, and just so you'll know, um, we mentioned earlier the Swift Silver Mine. Uh, I'll be meeting again with uh, Robert Prather, uh, who is a well-known uh, author who wrote the book about the Swift Silver Mine. And you can find that on uh, Amazon if anybody's interested in learning about that. Uh, he has probably, and I, Adam, I, yeah, have you seen the book too, I think? Yes. He probably, when it comes to the Swift Silver Mine and uh, you know the Appalachian portion of Kentucky, where a lot of people think that you know that that treasure is is still buried somewhere hidden away, he probably has the most extensive research of anything I've ever seen uh, relating to uh, the Swift Silver uh, legend. And I, I haven't seen anything that, uh, as far as just the pure research and effort into um, documenting this even come close to some of the work he's put on this. So um, I don't, would you agree uh, with about that with that book or have you seen anything else that's really solid? I agree with you on that. He, Robert is definitely the expert on this. Yeah. He's, he's kind of the go-to guy. So I'm going to be meeting with him um, in Frankfurt, I guess at about early mid April, probably. And we'll be talking about his book again. Uh, I'd love to have him on a podcast too, but uh they're they're waiting for some uh, there there may be a documentary film associated with what he's working on that they're waiting on um, to maybe uh, to, before they start doing interviews and so so we'll see what comes of that but uh, no certainly a lot of so many we could do every single show <laughs> here at Appalachia Shine about uh, cool stories from Appalachia legends tall tales urban legends you name it because um, these these hills are so full of History and mystery, uh, it makes you proud to call a place like this home. Um, but, uh, Adam, I appreciate you coming on and, and doing this with me uh, today to talk about a few more. Let's, let's make sure we do it again in the future because there's oh, never definitely. never Thank an you for inviting me. Yeah, any time. There's never an end to any of these mysteries we can talk about. And it's kymysteries.com? Yes. All right. So, yeah, go check out Adam's website, kymysteries.com. Uh, stop and check us out at uh, supportappalachia.org. Uh, if you'd like to make a donation, you can make one right there online. Or if you want to do it the old snail mail way, where you make it payable to the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement, and it's P.O. Box 397 in Richlands, Virginia, 24641. We're a 501c3, and uh, so we're a nonprofit, and donations uh, can be tax deductible. And uh, Adam, uh, we, we certainly appreciate everybody that tunes in and listens to us and follows us on Facebook and uh, and supports our mission. So let's uh, let's do this again sometime soon. I certainly appreciate you. Oh, we definitely will do this again. Definitely. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in. And we will see you on down the road. <laughs>